children uh, to an older one. Um, in the autumn, we were spending time thinking about uh, the marks of a disciple, and we were in Mark's Gospel. Um, I'm hoping you still have your copy of Mark's Gospel, because uh, what we're doing now is we're returning to Mark. Um, in, in the autumn, we only got up to the beginning of chapter 9, so we're, we only really read the first half of Mark. Um, and I guess um, we were thinking very much about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean for us to be an apprentice of Jesus, learning from him how to live well, learning from him how to be human? Um, and in the first half of Mark, as we, we read it in the autumn, the action really kind of wanders all over Galilee as Jesus moves from town to town. Um, and although Jesus has a clear sense of purpose, uh, geographically, he's just, he just seems to be meandering around the parts of Galilee. But when you reach the middle of Mark's gospel, around chapter 8 and chapter 9, that all changes. Um, three times Jesus predicts his death in chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10. And that's kind of the hinge where from now on the story moves in a straight line towards Jerusalem and towards the cross. So the first eight chapters, wandering around Galilee, performing miracles and teaching um, and calling disciples. But then from chapter eight, heading towards Jerusalem, heading towards the cross. And so we thought it would be good um, at this time of year to return to Mark's gospel and allow it to kind of lead us towards Easter. So over the, ne the next six or seven weeks, we're going to be letting the second half of Mark um, lead us in that direction, but still very much asking this question, um, what does it mean for us to be disciples? What does it mean for us to follow this Jesus as he heads towards the cross? And what does that mean for our apprenticeship and our discipleship? So that's where we're going. Um, I'd love to just pray for us for a moment, and then we're going to open up Mark chapter 9 um, and get going again. So let's pray. Father, it's been good um, to be together as church family this morning. Um, it's been good to lift up our voices in song. Um, it's been good to share bread and wine together as we remember Jesus and the gift that he has given uh, for us and to us. Um, it's been good for us to talk together about how to be a caring church and some of the really practical ways that we can try and do that uh, together. Um, but Father, I want to pray now in this moment, would you quiet our minds and our hearts from any distraction? Would you gather us as a people around your word? Would you help us to be awake, to be attentive um, to the things that you want to say to us? Father, thank you that you're a God who loves to speak. Um, and I want to pray that we would hear the things that you want to say to us this morning because your words bring life. Um, help us not to miss it this morning. Help us to hear it and take it deeply into our hearts. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, so I'd love you, if you have a Bible, you can look up Mark 9. I'd love you to dig out your gospel uh, when you go home um, and start reading again. We're not going to read everything in Mark on a Sunday morning. Uh, but I'd love you to be reading the bits in between. Um, but we're going to read from Mark chapter 9. Um, we're picking up really 
um, exactly where we left off before Christmas. Um, so if you may remember, uh, the final story that we read at the beginning of Mark chapter 9 was where Jesus went up a mountain uh, with three of his disciples, Peter and James and John. And up to that point, uh, the disciples had seen glimpses of the glory of Jesus. But in that moment on the mountain, the veil was pulled back and they saw him in his glory. They saw him in his brightness, in his radiance, um, in his beauty. And so the transfiguration moment has just happened uh, with Jesus and those three disciples. And now we come back to where they've left the others uh, down at the foot of the mountain. Uh, so let's read together Mark chapter 9. Uh, we're reading from verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion and he fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. That's where we're going to end. Um, wonder what you noticed as we read it together. I wonder if anything caught your attention. wonder if anything puzzled you uh, as we read it. Um, I want to start just by, um, I guess, noticing a few of the basic details. This is just me noticing with you uh, the basic, the kind of cast members of this story uh, and, what, and what's going on with each of them. So just very quickly, um, who's involved in the story? We have a boy who is oppressed by evil. Um, since childhood, this boy has been deeply troubled 
by a spirit which makes him both deaf and dumb, which causes violent seizures and tries to kill him. It's a very deeply troubled boy. Um, and I guess part of what I noticed as I read it, I think this is a real story about this particular boy. And the New Testament takes for granted that evil spirits are real and can trouble and oppress a human life um, in all kinds of ways. Um, I also wonder if um, this boy and the ways, the ways in which he's troubled also provide a kind of picture of the way the enemy often works in human lives. Um, and you may want to just puzzle or ponder about that. Uh, in other words, that when the enemy works in a human life, he makes us deaf to God's life-giving words so we can't hear the voice of God. He makes us dumb so we no longer speak life-giving words. We have this amazing capacity as humans to speak words of blessing and words of life uh, to others, but the enemy, when he comes, um, makes us dumb so we no longer do that. And always, when the enemy works in our lives, he leads us towards death one way or another. There's a death tendency, a death direction in everything that the enemy does. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. Um, and so I wonder, it's a, this is a real story about this boy, but it also provides a picture of the way the enemy troubles human lives. So we've got the boy, we've got a father who brings his son to Jesus. And I just want to underline that little um, detail. Um, this is always the best thing we can do. Um, often for us, we leave it as a last resort when we've tried everything else. But this father's instinct is in this moment of crisis and trouble, he brings his son to Jesus. And his very simple request or prayer is, take pity on us and help us. Just a simple cry for help. Um, so that's the father. Um, third, um, just to notice them, you can skip past them very quickly. We have the Bible experts, the teachers of the law, uh, the, the scholars of the scriptures. Um, they are faced with a family in terrible, heartbreaking trouble. And what do they do? They stand around and argue. Jesus finds them arguing. We don't even know what they were arguing about. But that's their contribution uh, in this story. And I think that's a very sobering little warning for those of us who fancy ourselves as Bible scholars or whatever. Right? What do they do? They're just arguing. There's a family in crisis. Um, who else is there? Um, the disciples. Um, this is interesting, isn't it? Um, the disciples try, but they can't help. There's something preventing the disciples from being effective, from being helpful uh, in this situation. We're going to come back to them uh, in a minute. Uh, but finally, in the story, there is Jesus who speaks a simple word and makes the boy well. Um, and if you remember from the autumn, we've seen this before in Mark's gospel, that Jesus doesn't put on a show. There's no big drama. He speaks with simple authority, and the boy is made well. Um, and a little detail that I love, literally in the Greek, um, whenever the, the moment of healing happens, what it says is, he raised him up and he arose. It tells us the boy looked like he was dead. Then it says he raised him up and he arose, and this is deliberately resurrection language, um, right? Where, where the enemy seemed to have brought death, Jesus uh, brings life. Jesus brings life with a word. He speaks a life-giving word, and the boy is raised. So there's our, our story. Um, 
In many ways, even if you ignore the rest of what I say this morning, I'd love you just to take the story with you into your week and to see what God wants to teach you through it or show you through it as you, you kind of ponder it um, during the week. Um, as I've been reflecting on the story um, and kind of wondering what it can teach us as we are apprentices of Jesus, as we follow Jesus, um, I kept coming back, the story kept bringing me back to the theme of faith. And I guess two very different lessons from this one story. I found that the story wanted to take me in two directions and I couldn't choose between them. So I'm giving you them both. Um, and they're very different lessons that I think this story teaches, but I think they sit side by side. Um, one of them is kind of a, a gentle, encouraging word um, that maybe lifts us up when we're struggling. Um, the other one is maybe a more bracing, challenging word uh, that maybe shakes us up uh, whenever we need that. Maybe you're saying, just give us the first one, J.M., but I'm going to give you them both. Um, so the first one, the gentle, encouraging word, is this. When our faith is weak and wobbly, Jesus meets us in that place. Right? Whenever our faith is weak and wobbly, Jesus meets us in that place. I think probably the most famous moment in this story, the bit that people tend to remember, um, is when the father says to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And what do you find in the story is that Jesus doesn't reject him or condemn him. He meets him in that place of kind of wobbly, flickering faith. Um, and from that place comes everything that, that follows. Um, and I think there's a good reason why people are drawn to that part of the story. Um, I, think, I think the honest truth is we all recognize ourselves in the man at that moment. Um, that that is how our faith is a lot of the time. Uh, we believe, but our faith also wobbles. <laughs> we believe, but the flame of our faith kind of flickers quite a lot. We believe, but we really wish that we believed more strongly. Right? That's where I think a lot of us are a lot of the time. Our faith feels, if we're being honest, often a little bit feeble. Um, and so this is where I find this story um, so beautifully, gently encouraging. Um, here's what we need to remember, I think, that the effectiveness of our faith doesn't depend on our faith. It depends on the one we have faith in. Right? Our confidence is not in the strength of our faith. We, we talk about strong faith, like we're going to the gym and kind of flexing our muscles and like looking at ourselves in the mirror going, is my faith strong today? Like how are my faith biceps doing? Like faith is that kind of, that kind of thing. But faith is all about the one we're trusting, the one we're leaning on, the one our confidence is in. And so I think this is a, a story and a moment in the story that we, we have to return to again and again at, at every point in our Christian journey, not just at the beginning. There will be times when our faith feels feeble. Uh, and the encouragement of the story is bring that feeble, flickering flame to Jesus. Um, it says in Matthew's gospel, quoting the prophet Isaiah, that when Jesus finds a smoldering wick, he won't snuff it out. He doesn't despise the weakness of that faith. He will gently fan that wick back into flame. And so 
when your faith is weak and wobbly, Jesus won't reject you. He will meet you in that place. And so there's an encouragement here, I think, just to be honest um, in your prayer. Say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Um, come and meet me in this place and strengthen my faith. Um, help me overcome my unbelief. And I, I think that's a prayer that we will need to use again and again. It's one that I return to again and again, uh, that I need to use a lot. <laughs> right? And so I want to encourage you, uh, maybe, that, maybe that's the bit you most need to hear this morning. When our faith is weak and wobbly, Jesus meets us in that place. Um, you ready for something a little more bracing? Because um, here's the second part. Is that Jesus invites his disciples towards bold, expectant faith. I think there's an invitation, a challenge here in this story towards faith that is bold and expectant. Um, did you notice at the, at the center of our story as we read it, um, Jesus expresses, I don't know what you would call it, kind of frustration or disappointment. Did you hear it in his words? He said, you unbelieving generation, how long will I put up with you? Right? You hear the, there's something there in his voice that has frustrated him, that has disappointed him. Um, I find myself puzzling over who is Jesus frustrated with? in that moment. And I'm kind of looking around the story. Um, is it the father he's disappointed in? I'm, I don't think so. The father had brought his son to Jesus and done, done what he needed to do. Um, is it the crowd that he's disappointed with? Well, maybe, um, as he looks around the crowd. Um, although in many ways at this point, they're observers of what is going on, just watching. Um, is it the teachers of the law? Well, he certainly got frustrated with them. Um, but I also think they're acting as he probably expected um, at this point in the story. Um, I think it's most likely that the, the reason for his frustration is with his disciples. There's a, there's a clear implication, I think, in the story that the disciples could have dealt with the problem differently or maybe should have been able to deal with the problem that was in front of them. Um, when I read this story, it reminds me of the earlier story in Mark 4. Do you remember when uh, they were in the boat and the storm came um, and Jesus was sleeping in the boat and the disciples got very panicked and they woke Jesus. And do you remember what Jesus said to his disciples? He said, it says he rebuked them and he said, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? There's something very similar, I think, going on here. Um, as he sees something of their lack of faith. At the end of the story, as we read it this morning, um, the disciples, when they're indoors, they don't want to ask publicly. They're feeling a bit embarrassed or sheepish, sheepish about what has happened. But they ask Jesus, why could we not drive the spirit out? And do you notice Jesus doesn't say to them, there was nothing you could do, right? You should have just waited for me to get here and sort it out. Um, he says this kind can come out only by prayer. Now, I've got to be honest and say, it makes me wonder what on earth the disciples tried <laughs> if, they, if they didn't try prayer. I don't, know, I don't know what technique they were attempting in order to drive out the spirit. But Jesus is clearly implying there was something they could do. There's something they could have done. And for me, where the story goes is it, it suggests what they could have done was a kind of simple, bold, expectant 
prayer. He doesn't spell it out any more than that, but they could have prayed with simple, expectant boldness. Um, you think for a second of all that the disciples had seen by this point in the story, all the stuff that we read in the autumn, they'd seen Jesus driving out many demons. They'd seen Jesus healing all kinds of sickness. They'd seen him calming the storm, feeding the crowd, walking on water. They have seen the authority of Jesus over all these things. Um, and whenever Jesus called them to be his disciples back in chapter 3, it says he appointed them so they could be with him. That's the first thing. But then also so he could send them out to do what? To preach the gospel and to drive out demons. It says, it says in the story he gave them authority to drive out demons. Um, and so the disciples are not helpless in the face of evil. I think there's a clear implication as we read Mark. They, they should know what to do as disciples, which is pray with simple, bold, expectant faith in the name of Jesus, in the authority that they have been given, in the authority of Jesus. And so, as much as I'd like to avoid the more challenging part of this story and stick with the, the gentle, encouraging part, this has also followed me around this week. Um, I think there's a challenging invitation for any of us who call ourselves disciples. Um, as we go about our lives, even in this week that is coming, and I want you to think really practically about the week you're embarking on. Um, we're going to encounter people who are oppressed by the enemy. It might be in dramatic, obvious ways, or it may be in more hidden and quiet, uh, subtle kind of ways. We're going to meet people whose lives are damaged by sin and by living in a fallen world, and whose, whose lives are wounded and damaged and uh, troubled in all kinds of ways. Uh, this is enemy-occupied territory, and the damage is everywhere, right? So you're going to meet it this week. You're not going to have to look too far. Um, and the question that I found myself bothered by this week was this. As, as you and I walk into that situation, as we walk into that room where those things are going on, are we helpless in the face of evil? Do we as disciples just sigh and shrug and shake our heads and say, kind of, oh dear, what a mess, what a world. It's so bad, it's so dark, it's so terrible, whatever. Do we, do we just wait for Jesus to return and sort it out? Kind of like the disciples just waiting for Jesus to get back down from the mountain so he could come and sort it out. Or is there an important sense in which we as disciples know what needs to be done? Have we been given authority as his disciples to do something in that kind of situation? Um, and I, that has bothered me this week, and so I'm, I wanted to bother you as well. Um, there's a challenge there. there. There's an invitation there to a, a simpler, bolder, more expectant kind of faith. Um, I found myself thinking this week, um, I know people in my life who have that kind of faith. Um, by the way, they don't tend to be the loudest people. <laughs> they don't tend to be showy and shouty about their faith, but they have a deep-rooted, quiet confidence. Whatever they encounter, that they can move into that situation in the name of Jesus and with the authority of Jesus, and they're not um, panicked about the, the brokenness and the evil and the mess that's in our world. They move with that quiet authority that has been given to them. 
as disciples, as children of God. I hope you know people like that too. Um, the thing I wanted to encourage us about this morning is that kind of faith is available to all of us as disciples of Jesus. That is possible for you to move into the room with that kind of faith. Um, and so, um, I, w- I wonder how you feel about that. I want to I finish um, by, by speaking some gospel truth this morning. Because um, I find I need to be reminded of this. I would rather just stick always with, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And my face just always going to be flickering and feeble and wobbly. But I think there's an invitation here that we can become people with. Um, we, we sang earlier on, my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. As we keep bringing our feeble faith to Jesus, it will grow. <laughs> and we'll become people with that quiet authority that has been given to us as disciples. And so if you feel like that can't be true for you, um, or if you kind of believe it, but you're not sure, um, I want to speak some gospel truth over us this morning uh, as we finish and then we're gonna we're gonna pray and sing uh, to finish um, maybe you want to think as I read as I read these couple of things um, that the simple question is do you believe this maybe I'll ask that a few times as we go this morning so here's some gospel truth from the New Testament Jesus in his death has defeated all the powers of evil all the powers of sin and death and the devil. He has disarmed the principalities and powers. The prince of this world has been condemned. The great dragon has been thrown down. Do you believe that this morning as a disciple of Jesus? Here's some more gospel truth. Jesus has poured out his own spirit on you and clothed you with power from on high. And the one who is in you right now is far greater, unimaginably greater than the one who's causing havoc in our world. Do you believe that this morning as a disciple of Jesus? Um, Here's some more gospel truth. The risen Jesus says in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, what they say, therefore wait till I get back. Therefore go. Right? He's sending you in his name with his authority into our world. Do you believe that this morning? Here's some more gospel truth. Jesus says in John 14, whoever believes in me, whoever trusts me, will do the works I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son and you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I wonder, do you believe that this morning as a disciple of Jesus? Um, here's my final encouragement. As you go into your week, and this is for me as well, when, when we are faced with the brokenness and mess of our world, when we're faced with the sorrow and sadness of our world, when we're faced with the evil and darkness of our world, and it it may be in the lives of people close to you, people you love, friends, neighbours, it may be strangers that you meet this week. Um, We are not helpless bystanders wringing our hands, right? 
We are not resigned to these things. But we move in as disciples of Jesus. We move into those situations where the enemy has done his worst. And what do we do? We pray with simple, bold, expectant faith in the name and authority of Jesus. And the promise is we will see miracles of resurrection. Those who seem to be dead will be raised up. That's the promise. So let's pray this morning and then let's sing. Um, let me remind you, um, if you'd like someone to pray with you this morning um, for anything that God's been speaking to you about or that's going on in your heart, there'll be a couple of people up here at the front who would love to pray for you um, as, we, as we finish. Um, let's pray together. Father, um, we are really aware this morning that so many times our faith um, feels really weak and feels really feeble. And so we are so encouraged by the heart of this story that as this father cries out, I believe, would you help my unbelief that you don't despise that kind of faith, that you don't turn away from it, um, but you meet you meet that man in that place and you meet us in that place. Um, <coughs> Father, I know there's going to be some of us here this morning and we really need to hear that this morning because we feel like we're hanging on by our finger, fingernails. If that's where we are this morning, I pray, just help us to cry out, Lord, I believe. Would you help my unbelief? Would you have mercy on me? Would you come and meet me in this place and raise me up? Thank you that you're the one who gently lifts our heads and our hearts when we are discouraged, when we are struggling, when we are at our wit's end. Um, Father, would you come this morning and be the lifter of the lowly? Would you come this morning and lift up our hearts and lift up our heads? And where there's a, a smoldering wick, would you gently, oh so gently, cup your hands around it and fan it into flame? Father, I also want to pray, would you help us, uh, those of us who call ourselves disciples of Jesus, um, would you also wake us up and shake us up um, that we not stay in a place where our expectations are small, Father, you have sent us into the world as your disciples in your name to speak gospel truth and to pray with bold expectations that your kingdom would come here in our, on earth, here in our neighborhood uh, as it is in heaven. And so, Father, would you make us people um, who don't just shrug in the face of the brokenness that we encounter, who are not resigned to the mess and brokenness that we see. Um, but who in simple faith pray in the name of Jesus that the dead will be raised, that the deaf will hear, that the dumb will have their, their tongues loosened, um, that the blind will have their eyes opened. Um, and Father, we pray that in dramatic ways and in quiet ways, 
we would see miracles of resurrection even this week here in our community. Um, help us as your people um, to pray with simple faith in the name of Jesus. Um, and we pray in his name right now. Amen. Let's stand and sing.